Okay, hello, patrons. I am back. This is the bonus podcast, and today it is full of stuff, so I'm going to just get to it. So first, I'm going to play you uh, the full cut of the teens arguing about facial recognition. Um, Then I'm going to talk a little bit about animals and privacy, and I'm also going to cover why I struggled with this episode that you heard, the Jaw in Order episode about facial recognition, um, why I did not finish it until midnight on Monday, right before it came out. Um, Plus, a tiny rant about why I think Facial recognition evading jewelry and makeup is dumb, and I want people to stop pitching it to me in my inbox. And as always, I will end with a secret. Okay, so first, teens, listen, I will admit that I was very nervous when we got into the studio for recording the teens and their debates. Um, I really, truly had no idea what they were going to say, and I had this moment right before we started where I was like, this might be a terrible idea. And I had no backup plan. Like if this didn't work, I didn't really know what I was going to do for the intros for this mini season. But as you heard, they were so great. Um, and I'm really excited to play for you the whole conversation that they had. So the first thing that you're going to hear in this tape is me asking the actors what they personally think about facial recognition. And then you're going to hear them discuss for a while before I kind of give Evan the signal to cut them off so we can move on to the next episode. Um, okay, so here you go. Teens in action, unscripted. You too. Before you actually leave, can I ask you one question? Yeah. How do you two personally feel about facial um, you can go first. I have mixed feelings about it. I'm now questioning what I believe because of your amazing speech. <laughs> okay, David. Um, so I feel like this one was sort of like harder to do. Well, than my other speech. Well, first of all, because it I did it when I was t- more tired because I did the other one first. But also, I feel like the whole thing with like facial recognition and privacy, like. It when, in my opinion, I feel like I can't really bring me myself to care enough about like the loss of privacy than I know I should, because like when when I just think about it, I feel like you know privacy is 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 dying. Like the government already tracks you in so many ways. Like I personally don't really care about about that that much like I can't bring myself to care and like when I when I say that people will like talk about oh but then like yeah with privacy is dead then like what if the government becomes super corrupt you know it affects like other people more than it affects you and I know they're right but it's like I just I guess I can't really like I sort of have like I guess become submissive I feel like the um I feel like I can't really bring myself to care all that much about the issue of like privacy dying because it like from my point of view like at least for me like the government has no reason to spy on me and if they do like they're not really gonna find anything they're just gonna find like me and my normal life and I don't really care if like some random government agent knows like my secrets right so I just I personally don't really care that much about this like I know that it can lead to like bad things if like the government gets corrupt or whatever but I don't really care that much about like about really privacy being dead, even though I know I probably should. Interesting. Interesting. Can I add something? Yeah, of course. Um, I think the reason why many of us don't really care about this is because we grew up in an age where we didn't really have privacy because we were all we used technology at such an Mm -hmm. early age Mm -hmm. that we all just threw that to the wind. Everyone knows what everyone else is doing. So, yeah. Can you feel the same way? Yeah, can, yeah, anybody can talk. David, 
what you said kind of sounds like people's excuse for not caring about global warming. <laughs> but but uh, global warming. I know it's a big deal. <laughs> I just don't really care that much. Global warming could cause like the end of the human race. Corruption by the government with us, with our facial recognition, could cause the end of uh, the United States of America. But, but I, don't I don't think <laughs> I don't I don't think that that's something that's really gonna happen in like in the in the foreseeable future. Like our facial recognition technology has like um, you know it has it has its uses and I don't like if it is properly regulated. I don't really think that that just like people being able to like maybe spy on other people. Is going to cause is going to cause something like that. Mm. Okay, but uh, and also when you said these people don't take the medicine we have now, yet they live to forty. That's like mm. saying this guy went to war. He didn't die. War's safe. No, that's. I was saying that sort of sarcastically. I was saying that it's like you can't say, oh, before we had this thing, it um people still lived, so we shouldn't. Like it's like. Because she said, yo, you know, we still caught criminals uh, and saved lives before facial recognition, so we don't need facial recognition. But that's like saying, well, people people still didn't die of this disease before we cured it, so we really don't need to cure it. Like, yeah, it, it still worked before then, but if we can make it better, then why wouldn't we? Yes, it was honestly just a desperate attempt to rebuke. But, but like, also, like, if we, can, if we can make it better... Why wouldn't we do that? All right, but there, you guys, aren't there other, uh, Oh, sorry. sorry well, <laughs> you guys are all engaged, and I love it. This is what I live for. So thank you so much. Great job, you two. It's a lot to think about, and we're having fun now, right? This is fun. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Having lots of fun. We love fun. Is so, that Charlie? Isn't that super interesting? I am fascinated that so many of them were just like, yeah, I don't really care about privacy anymore. Um, and I think that it is true in part, it's because we've surveilled them so much throughout their lives, right? Um, there are schools in the US that have facial recognition systems in their hallways. Um, I actually wrote about that for Vice and why those systems are mostly a scam. Um, I'll link to that story in the show notes. Okay, moving on. I'm really excited for you to hear uh, what the teens say for the next couple episodes. There are definitely moments coming up in the rest of the season that happened during the debates that I would never have scripted myself, but that are like so spot on for how teens talk because it is literally how they talk. They they did they made it up themselves. They also were sort of ad libbing a lot. So um, I'm excited for you to hear it. Okay. So um, this episode is the first time I've really revisited a topic from the past of Flash Forward. Um, it's facial recognition. We did an episode about that in the first season. And I was actually kind of nervous about this for a couple of reasons. Um, first, I was worried that people who had heard that first episode would just skip this one, thinking that it was going to be either like the same or just like super similar. Um, it wasn't, but you never know. But mostly my worry was that Facial recognition is a topic that's particularly challenging to cover for Flash Forward because some percent of the audience knows a lot about facial recognition and some percent of the audience doesn't know very much at all or maybe thinks that they know more than they actually do. And so for me, as a person making the show, I have to think about like who is the ideal audience, right? Because if I go too basic, then the people who know a lot are just going to kind of zone out and tune out and be like, yeah, I know all this. But if I am too like high level, then people who don't know anything are going to be confused. Um, so like, who do you write for, right? And this is something that happens anytime I take on a topic that's in the news a lot. Um, so like the CRISPR episode, I struggled with this a little bit. 
um, some of those episodes where it's like something that you is like constantly in the news. And facial recognition is in the news a lot, but I think most people maybe don't realize how it works specifically and why it's so bad. Um, you know, I was testing this on my friends actually before I finished the episode where I was asking them like, do you know this? Do you know that? Do you know about this? So like the thing that New York City does where they paste a different person's mouth onto um, an, a suspect's photo, like most people I talked to did not know that. Um, but because I'm in my little bubble of like constantly seeing this stuff and thinking about it, it's sometimes hard for me to remember that like not everybody reads about this stuff all day, every day. Um, so hopefully I kind of struck a good balance between stuff that you know and stuff that you don't know. Um, and that is actually part of why I wanted to include the section about animals at the end, because I think that most people, even people who know a fair amount about facial recognition on humans, don't know that much about how we are using these systems in non-humans. Um, in the episode, I focused on monkeys, but it's not just monkeys, right? Farms are using facial recognition on pigs and cows to keep track of them. There's all sorts of ways that this stuff is being used on non-human animals. Um, and I said that, you know, I want to talk a little bit about animal privacy and animal agency and sort of surveillance. Um, and this is something that I am fascinated by and I, I don't actually have like a strong stance on. I know some people, I have a friend who um, is very much on the like animals are basically people and you should not invade their privacy. And then I know other people who are like, no, of course we need to do this because we need to understand how they live and how they work. And so we can kind of like help protect them. And I kind of fall somewhere in the middle. I don't think necessarily either of those things are a given. Um, and so I'm kind of still trying to figure out exactly where I land. Um, and this comes up with zoos a lot, right? Like there are these spaces where we have literally built windows into animals' lives. And in many cases, like even if you don't have access to a zoo, you still have access to live cams or live streams from that zoo. So you can kind of look at it at any time. Um, there's this one paper about animals and privacy by Isaac Rooks, and it starts like this, quote, we live in a brave new world. In the not too distant past, most humans would go their whole lives without ever seeing a panda. Now, if this article bores you, you can use your computer or mobile device to view several high quality live video feeds of pandas. This paper then goes on to talk about the ethics of these live cams and sort of how to balance the ways that they can foster a sense of responsibility for the environment and for animals with the way that they are like creepy spy cams in an animal's intimate space. Um, I just want to note that the title of this paper is Pandopticon. So if you thought that the jaw and order episode name was a bad pun, I have some competition. Um, this also happens whenever there's sort of like a big event that goes like viral, I guess, on social media. So a couple of years ago, there was this giraffe named April living in something called Animal Adventure Park in Harpersville, New York. And um, she was expecting a calf. And the zoo or this like adventure park had set up a live stream camera feed from inside her stall. So you could kind of watch this pregnant giraffe waiting to give birth. And in theory, you could, you know, tune in and watch this giraffe give birth. And there were some conversations at the time, this is 2017, about like, is that okay? Like, does this giraffe want you to be watching? I mean, if you've ever been pregnant, um, you probably don't want someone like filming you all the time. And particularly when you're in labor, you probably don't want like millions of people to be able to just click on a button and view your you know, labor pains and all, all the things that go with it. Um, and so there are these, there were these conversations around April and every time there is something kind of like this, um, there are these conversations about like, 
is this okay? Like, do, do we want this? Um, does this giraffe have any kind of like right to privacy? Does this giraffe even care? Um, I was recently in Malawi, speaking of giraffes and privacy, I was recently in Malawi, like I've mentioned on this bonus podcast a couple of times, and we went on a safari um, in Zambia across the border. And um, first of all, I will say that like, I did not think we were going to see very much and we saw so much stuff. It was amazing. Um, But we saw these giraffes and giraffes are incredibly weird looking, first of all. They walk... um, with their two, like, so you know how like normally an animal would walk with its like front right leg and back left leg and so they like alternate sides. Giraffes walk with the legs of both sides at the same time. Does that make sense what I'm saying? I'm trying not describing this very well. But basically instead of walking like a dog, they walk with like the right front and the right back leg moving at the same time. And then the left front and left back moving at the same time. And so when you watch them walking, they look very alien um, and weird. Um, anyway, The other interesting fact, or one other interesting fact about giraffes, there are many interesting facts about giraffes, is that giraffes have a super high incidence of homosexual behavior. So male giraffes actually, you know, mount each other and sort of seem to be in these sexual relationships relatively frequently, Um, actually some of the highest rates in the animal kingdom that has been documented. And so we were in Zambia and we were in the Jeep and we drove right up to these giraffes and they did not care about us. Um... Most of the animals, weirdly, like, were not afraid of the Jeeps at all. I guess they, like, see them as these weird, loud, bangy animals. Um, So we drove, like, right up to these giraffes. They're just, like, chilling, eating their leaves. And then one male giraffe came up and over to another male giraffe and started, like, nuzzling its neck. And I was getting very excited because, first of all, I do not really know or have not really ever thought before this that moment how giraffes have sex. Like they are very weirdly shaped creatures. I mean, I can kind of guesstimate, but I would, was very curious to see it. And also like to see two male giraffes in action, like gay giraffes. I was super excited. Our whole Jeep was super excited. We were like, yes, this is going to be great. I'm like, I was going to be the highlight. And we, we were kind of like, you know, tittering to ourselves, trying to be quiet, but it was very obvious that we were excited. And the giraffes turned and they looked at us and they like kind of separated and walked away and it didn't happen. Um, and our guide who grew up in this area of Zambia and sort of knew everything about the animals was like, oh yeah, giraffes are really shy in that way. Like they won't do certain things in front of the vehicles. And they're not, again, they're not afraid of the vehicles. They don't seem to think the vehicles are a threat. They were like happy to turn their back on the vehicles and kind of like be grazing and not really caring. But anytime there's like intimate action, the giraffes, he said, would like go away. They didn't want you to see them. Um, And so that like made me feel kind of weird and gross being like voyeuristically watching these animals being like, ooh, we're going to see it. When like, they just, they want you to leave them alone and you're being creepy. And I was like being a giraffe creep. I didn't even think of it. Um, and so this this is why I thought of it when I was thinking of April and, um, and her pregnancy and whether that should be live streamed. Like how do we think of the ethics of these things? Um, this also comes up with like TV documentaries, right? We send these cameras out in the wild and document animals doing stuff without really thinking about it. Um, but you know, maybe we should think about it. One paper talks a little bit about like the making of the episodes, you know, those ones that are like after the documentary, there'll be like a little series about how they got the shot. Um, And the paper says, quote, animals right to privacy is turned into a challenge for the production teams who use newer forms of technology to overcome species desire not to be seen, end quote. Anyway, um, 
I am currently deep in reading about this and I still, like I said, have these conflicting feelings, right? These technologies can be useful sometimes and can minimize our impact on animals that we're observing. Um, but do we have the inherent implicit right to observe them? Some people have argued that we have to because we are responsible for the well-being of so many of these animals. But I am not sure I totally buy into that kind of like paternalism. And I don't know that that's the right way to think about it. And I also don't know that that has really like helped us so far in our quest and our relationship with animals. Um, we have not done a great job. So I don't know, maybe, maybe it's time for us to kind of like stop assuming that we have the right to do all these things and that we have sort of like control and dominion over these animals. I don't know. Um, there's a book that I'm dying to get my hands on. It's called Wired Wilderness. And it's all about radio tracking and animals and surveillance. Um, and the university library near me has it. So I'm going to go try to pick that up tomorrow. So you may hear me talk about this more in future bonus episodes. I am like weirdly obsessed with this question. Oh, also, I did mention the monkey selfie in the episode. So for those of you who do not know what the monkey selfie is, so there's this wildlife photographer named David Slater, and he's been photographing these crested macaques in Indonesia for years and years now. And every so often something will happen where like the macaques will take the camera and kind of like take a picture of themselves. Um, and it was like, it's not, it's like a camera on a tripod. So they didn't like take the camera out of his hands, but they do, there are these photos where these monkeys have sort of like taken a selfie, right? Um, and in 2011, a bunch of publications sort of ran with this, the Daily Mail, the Telegraph, the Guardian, they like picked up the story and they were like, oh, like monkey steals camera to snap a selfie of himself. And then in July of 2011, somebody on Wikimedia Commons, the website that sort of like hosts a ton of free content online, uploaded the selfie photo from the Daily Mail and asserted that this photograph was sort of in the public domain because it was the work of a non-human animal. Basically that the photographer Slater, the human, did not actually have the right to the photo because the monkey had taken it. Um, and from there, things just got like really bizarre, I guess. And then eventually, basically, PETA tried to sort of use this monkey selfie to establish sort of, I guess, like a legal precedent that animals can hold copyright, that they can be copyright holders, that the monkey could hold this copyright. So Slater, the photographer, the human photographer, had published a book containing these photographs, um, and PETA in 2015 filed a lawsuit against him saying that he had not, that he had violated the copyright that the monkey owned because the monkey took the picture. Um the photographer, the human photographer, David Slater, wound up winning in court eventually. But I'm laughing a little bit. It's actually not that funny in part because um, this photographer, David Slater, like had to spend so much money on legal bills to try and fight this lawsuit. Um, and in 2018, an appeals court affirmed that animals cannot legally hold copyright um, and sort of like chided PETA for basically using this as a publicity stunt. And this guy, David Slater, kind of like had to foot this huge bill and wound up kind of in, in the hole for a lot of this. So I do feel actually quite bad for him. But the case is super interesting in that like it does kind of raise these questions of if an animal paints a picture or does a thing, do they own the copyright to that, right? Like if you go to the Six Flags near my house, um, you can see this like seal show. And one of the things they do is they have a seal like paint on a canvas. They have a seal hold a brush in its mouth and like paint something on a canvas. Like you've probably seen, you know, drawings that monkeys do, drawings that gorillas do. You've also probably seen drawings that, like elephants do. You know, do they own those items? Like, is do they have the copyright to that? And that is kind of, it's separate but similar, sort of connected to this question of like, what rights do animals have? Like, are they people or are they different from people? And in what way are they different from people? And sort of what rights that we assume that we have, do they not assume that they have? Um, I should also say that like, 
I talked a little bit in the episode about how like we assume that we have this like inherent right to privacy. I shouldn't probably have said we because that's actually not an assumption that every country or every culture has. So in the United States, privacy is actually like a really important foundational principle, but that's not true everywhere. Um, and there are really fascinating stories about places like China, where a lot of people in China don't really feel as though privacy is a sort of an essential right that they are owed by their government. So it's not necessarily that we think that humans as a whole, have this right to privacy, have an inherent right to privacy, in the same way that we might argue that humans have the right to, like, dignity or, you know, water or things like that, the UN might say. Privacy maybe isn't quite the same, but I do think that, you know, even if it's not a government-protected privacy from surveillance, I do think that humans still have this feeling of, like, people shouldn't watch you while you're taking a shower or, like, having sex. Like, those are things that we do feel, I think, fundamentally are, like, things that happen between two people or, or more people, depending on, you know, what you're into. Um, we think that like, that's probably, unless we choose to open that up to public viewing or even semi-public viewing, that's like probably our choice, right? It should be a choice. Whereas with animals, we don't really give them that choice. Anyway, I've gone on for too long about this, so I'll move on to the next topic. Um, the next thing I want to say is just a tiny, small rant. I will make it short. But basically, um, there, I get pitched so often like facial recognition art projects that are like, oh, jewelry that will shield your face against facial recognition or makeup or wigs or whatever it is. And like, I get that they're art projects and they're not really meant to be functional and used, but they get pitched to me all the time. And I see coverage of them all the time that is super breathless in a way that is very frustrating because it doesn't quite understand like how facial recognition things work. Um, and also it sort of like makes us feel like we have more agency than we maybe do in some of these situations. Like the answer shouldn't be that we have to wear some weird face mask thing. The answer should be that the companies stop stealing our faces and training them and then selling that back to law enforcement. Like the idea that you could wear this like beautiful golden jewelry is the most recent one I saw, you know, to, to like subtly and, and, you know, luxuriously reject facial recognition. That just feels like kind of a red herring to me. And it gets, it gets a little annoying that I see them pop up so many times. And also that like all these companies or all these publications like Fast Company and like and gadget, et cetera, et cetera, like cover them. They cover these projects every single time. And it's so annoying. So stop doing that. Stop covering that. Stop like making these projects. Also they're at this point, they're like super derivative. Everyone has done one of these. So I don't know. That's rude, but that's how I feel about it. And this is the bonus podcast. So, um, okay. That is all for the bonus episode. Um, in the end, I will end as always with a secret, which is something that I shamelessly stole from Allie Ward's podcast, Ologies, which you should listen to. She just put up her 100th episode, which is amazing. Um, and Ologies is great. I love it. Uh, the most recent one about lizards was really cool. I learned a lot about lizards. I didn't know about, um, okay. The secret. What is my secret for today? My secret today is not that exciting, but it's something that I can't stop thinking about, so I'm just going to say it. Um, last night, I loaded up my first ever kiln full of – I make these – I just started doing this ceramics thing, which you've probably heard me talk about, and I make these like weird monster sculptures. You can follow on Instagram if you care. Um, but today, last night, was the first time I've actually like loaded up a full kiln of like glazed work, and glazing is really hard for me. I never know what colors to pick, and like I'm not a great painter, so I feel like I'm always like – messing it up or making it sloppy or something like that. Um, and so I loaded up a whole kiln last night of my sculptures that are all been glazed and it's ha it's going right now. It's sort of heated up right now. And I won't get to unload it until tonight at like 10 o'clock tonight. And I like, all I can think about is whether or not 
the stuff looks good or like did it melt or did it like break or uh, there's like so many things that can happen in a kiln because it's like super super hot and there's all this chemical reactions happening um and so I am very nervous about opening it um and so I'm gonna open it tonight and I will let you know how it goes um you can follow along on Instagram if you care about that kind of thing I'm Rose Eveleth on Instagram um and yeah and that's like I'm trying to get work done today and I can't because all I think about is this dumb kiln that I have full of weird monster sculptures um Okay, that's all for the bonus podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, Come back next week and you'll hear another behind the scenes about the teens. You'll hear their conversation and then other stuff about the episode for next week. Okay, bye.